Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Resilient Science, the show where we spend at least 15 minutes each week trying to better understand a topic around hockey, rehab, and the science behind it. I'm Dr. Ben Cernig. I'm a doctor of chiropractic. I'm a strength and goalie coach, and I'm a graduate student who looks at hockey things. As always, I'm here with Jamie Phillips. Hello. I am almost Dr. Jamie Phillips, Masters of Master of Science, certified strength coach, goalie coach, and content creator. Now, I'm gonna add that is something new each week, just content creator, amateur chef. Content uh, curator. Content curator. Oh yeah, no one says that. That's pretty good. Um Ben, we will get right into it today. Um so this is the last few few weeks I've been making posts about, you know, why goalies, you know, staying on your feet and shots from the slot doesn't make sense. And, you know, Derek popped in with his uh with his video is super helpful, kind of showing the visual in terms of you actually take out more net when you go down because you're adding the net that's above the crossbar, saying that you're someone who's taller than the crossbar. Um, then the other day, yesterday I put in the math just in terms of, you know, if you're getting an 80 to 90 mile per hour wrist shot in the slot, and we're talking about in a vacuum, no screens, no traffic, no nothing, no peripheral distractions. Um, you don't, you don't have enough time to make a cognitive like thought process. It's a reactive one. And so this, this discussion might get a little sciencey, but I guess that's why it's called resilient science. So when you look at, and this, so when I was was looking at the why that you were able to make these saves and Ben, you're, you're familiar with this too. So this is, this is helpful. Um, When you look at like the feed forward loop of visual to visual input to movement, um, you're comparing everything all the information you're getting to essentially supply for a memory like you've seen this before you've had this experience before so you can put the your brain puts the pieces together and comes up with essentially a rough blueprint of how you want to execute execute the movement 
and that's followed by what's called a feedback loop where it's compared your body essentially your sensory system compares what is happening or what it wants to happen to what is happening it goes to the cerebellum the cerebellum then says yes this is right and then we go through there so that was more complicated than i'd like to get for for this podcast but when it comes to reading the release which is the main gold standard factor for why our goal is still able to react we're going to set aside the fact that positioning allows you to take up the most amount of space um, inaccurate shots etc etc so we're going just a guy shoots from the slot high glove the goalie does move his glove even though technically he doesn't have enough time to think this shot this puck's going glove side i need to move it so that comes from reading the release so when reading the release is it when we see and i think i always have this up when we look at the difference between like high level goalies mm-hmm. and lo, either low level goalies or inexperienced goalies there is an obvious difference in their ability to track and read the puck and so a lot of that does come from experience the more you see shots the better you're usually the better you get the more you see shots at higher speeds the more you can adapt to it so my question for you bet all that talking i think i've said that those, those that word for you a few times but is the ability to read the release essentially a feed forward loop based on prior experiences of being of seeing that blade change yeah i mean like at the end of the day it's pattern recognition right like mm-hmm. the fan you used a whole bunch of fancy words there to talk about um what the term is predictive processing mm-hmm. right so like if you watch and like again a lot of the research here in sport comes back to baseball too because again the play starts with a pitcher and always starts with a pitch right so it's easier to kind of explore that um but it's it's like the amount of times you've seen that same sequence of events allows you to basically skip steps in the processing of that play and allows you to kind of react to things on just a faster basis that is assuming again that you have fast twitch muscles and good genetics and all that Mm -hmm. fun stuff too. Um, But yeah, the basic idea is that it's, it's predictive processing, right? So the more you see a situation, the more you're able to, the faster you're able to recognize it, the less steps you need to take to make it. And therefore the easier that becomes. Uh, And there's a lot of things that goes into that. And, and some people who are better visual um, trackers in general, who have like a better visual interpretive system are just probably better at it. Like that's just sometimes what makes goalies better. They have like a better visual processing system than other people. Kind of hard to train, not impossible, but not like that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's like we're talking about small percentages at this point. But that's what it is, right? Like, can you read the pattern successfully in that split second and react to it? And my comparison that I always tell my younger goalies when they're when we're talking about this too is it's the reason you're able to like make a save through a screen that you only saw the release on. Like you didn't perfectly make the save a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Like it might palm your glove a little bit, right? It doesn't go into the mesh of the glove, but your glove gets the right to the right spot. It's because you have successfully projected the puck. Yeah, you've seen yeah. that shot enough times that you know roughly based on the release where it's probably going to go. And that's why you also see goalies letting like weird change-ups on mm-hmm. screens sometimes where their glove goes really high and it just goes under their arm. And you're like, what happened? It's like, well, actually that release kind of got muffled a little bit. It wasn't supposed to do what yeah. it did. Yeah, exactly. so that's, yeah, so I definitely overcomplicated that, but yeah, I just wanted to flex how smart I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I uh, yeah, pattern recognition. So the thing is, so 
Okay, so I'm glad we're on the same page. And like I said, I'm going to dive into a little more baseball uh, literature just to, because I know that there's a classic story, like, you know, major league uh, batters can't hit, you know, college uh, softball, softball, fastball. What do we, yeah, what? well, it's softball. but it's Because it's just, a, it right? comes from a different, it's a whole different pitch. Yeah. I mean, like the thing that ties in here, and I'm sure you'll kind of get to this too, um, is like in, in major league baseball, like there's a lot of guessing, right? Like there's not enough time to react. Mm-hmm. Um, like that is an actively known thing. Like you ever, if anyone, anyone who's ever watched a baseball game, baseball game has seen a player get fooled so badly. Like they look ridiculous, but it's like, mm-hmm. no, they like, there is not enough opportunity for them to react. They yeah. have to make some prior assumptions going into that. Okay. If this ball is released and it's coming middle in on the plate it doesn't have sideways spin it's going to be 96 miles per hour i'm going to swing right like that's like the mental approach and it's not always that deliberate but that is largely what that approach looks like Mm -hmm. um which is why you see guys just turn around and walk the other way on strike three when it's a curveball outside and they were waiting for a fastball inside it's just too too quick yeah but like that's not that's such a more controlled environment than hockey, but it's like, why I don't know why we don't always assume that there's a lot of transferability between those two things. Like that clearly is something that happens to this a relative degree in hockey too. Yeah. Right? I, I, again, I think a lot of it is just when it comes to that side, we don't have a lot of hockey literature ex- examining these things, which sucks. But again, no one really, we're the only ones that really care about science. Uh, everyone else just cares about what their uncle did back in the eighties when he played, but hockey, hockey is a slow adopter, but keep it's going. a slow adopting sport and people uh, are very, very married to their beliefs and what they think is going on, whether that's happening or not. Um, all right. So let's get to what everyone really wants to hear. How do you train reading the release or can you train reading the release? And so this is very nuanced. See the best way to train. And this is what I tell all this. People ask me like, Hey, how do I train release? Just face a lot of shots your body will start to put it together um like what the blade is doing you know if the blade is open you know blades open the puck's probably going high the blade is closed it's probably going low you know wrist your your brain is very very smart and, and it does put those patterns together some people again will put those together faster some mm-hmm. people will need cognitive like an actual cognitive effort to be able to make those associations so that's when we'll bring in drills like you know for me i really like the colored puck drill um any sort of deception drill where the goalie or the the player's trying to change their stick and then you only react until they they release it so you get that final blade position um you know anything where the goalie is has to call out the the save it just forces you to actually watch the blade instead of watching other surroundings. Um, but yeah, really it just comes down to experience. And so people say, Oh, I can't read the release. Well, it's like also like, you know, if you're U 14 and you're some, and you're playing on a U 16 team, like there is like a, a like actual development gap that you're going to have to make up through, through practice. And that's why, like, I remember when we were younger, you know, we used to stay with Pat and Pat would bring out like the junior A guys. We, we thought that was such a good idea, but then they would just absolutely roast us when we were 14 years old and yeah. they were 20. Yeah. And there's a reason that, that their skill levels exist in sport because it's typically proportional to development. Some mm-hmm. kids will be faster. Some kids will be slower, but in the middle of the bell curve, everyone falls under. Um, 
So if you're watching at home, you're like, hey, I need to read the release. Face more shots. It's not the sense arena. Uh, I get that a lot too. Although I would like to try it because I just want, I'm just, I get a lot of questions and I'm curious. But I also am very skeptical that a video game can accurately replicate Blade releases. I want it on the record that I am prepared to accept a sponsorship though. So um. I, I would also accept a sponsorship. <laughs> or I would honestly, I would set, if Spencer even sent me one, I would, re- I would review it if they wanted me to, and I would send it back. You don't have to give me any money. I just want, I haven't tried it and I don't have a thousand dollars to drop on one, but I just, I get a ton of questions and I can't answer them because I've never used it. Uh, and no one I know, the only, some of the goalies I work with have them, but they're all in Europe. They're not sending um, you them, eh? Mm. They're not sending them. But anyways, because I want to go back like, to what you said. I want to, yeah, I'm, cutting, I'm cutting you off for a while. Yeah. yeah, I'm cutting you off because you're in a rambly mood today. This is now the Jamie Rambles on podcast. Yeah, you're being cut off. Uh, I think like what comes down to it is exactly what you said. So I think the first and foremost thing that's important for everyone to understand is that you, anytime you face a shot, anytime you are attentive and paying attention to facing a shot, you are receiving information. It's just the way it works. So like thinking that you need to actively train um how a release happens is you're you're already doing that whether you think you are or you're not you are uh and so that's the first thing so don't don't freak out about i'm not reading this the puck off the stick yes you are you are you have to be that is literally something if you are watching the puck leave a person's stick you are picking up information you may not attentively realize this because your brain doesn't want you to pick up every single piece of information intently because then you're, you know, the hard wire in your brain would just melt because if it's designed to skip steps, right? Like the human brain is efficient because it skips steps and doesn't force you to go through every single step of processing. It's like the same way when you think about language, right? Like imagine you've been speaking for a long time. Do you think about every single word perfectly before you say it, Jamie? No, it's, yeah, you don't. Right. Like it's, and that's, yeah. that's a really crude comparison or pretty like weak comparison, but that's the idea. So the the first thing I'll say is yes, you are already picking up trends and patterns just by facing shots. Um, Do you want to specifically work on a earlier cognitive um, focal point? Yeah. That's when you could argue that like colored pucks um, or a drag drill behind something like a bucket that you can't see the puck until it comes out forces you to change how you're reading that pattern. And sometimes a novel stimulus or something that's new and different can help you really focus on that spot spot or that thing that you're not really focusing on. Um, so yeah, again, I would, just, I would cut you, you up. That's the purpose. Like, so when I, when I post certain drills like that, or you see certain drills, it's not because I want a different colored puck because it's, I, I want by forcing the goalie to either call out the where it's going or look and call it the color. It just forces the focal point onto the stick. And then by association, the brain will put together where, what that blade is doing. Okay. Please continue. Yeah. And so that's, that's the really kind of the next part. Right. And so I think the third thing is, again, you can, you can train that and you can get a lot of reps and you'll get better at it naturally there is also kind of like an upper limit for most people, right? Like there, at some point there has to be a factor that uh, delineates or breaks apart the expert performers and the amateur performers, yeah. right? So like at some point, and this is the the worst part of it is at some point you just like realize that 
the process and you have is not um, great enough to be an NHL goalie. Like that, that's like also another side of it too, that I think is just a fact, right? Like yeah. I don't really talk about that. Yeah. Like I wasn't, I wasn't good enough to be an NHL goalie. I wasn't going to be a pro goalie. Um, like I'm open about that. Like I was good enough at stuff to play in college a couple times, right? Like overall fine enough to do that. But that level probably was my cap realistically. Like that was my upper end of my ability to read the game and my ability to process the game. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Um, but to tie this all together, Jimmy, we talk about this a lot. If in, in, for goalies, practice is not always the most fruitful uh, opportunity. Team practice is not always the best. One thing you and I both agree on is that uh, flow drills can be pretty bad for goalies. But one opportunity that you can get from flow drills is working on this release thing um, mm-hmm. or release pickup by just sitting a little bit deeper in your net and tracking pucks, right? Like force yourself to actively watch the release of every shot on these flow drills because you're going to get 90 of them. You're going to get 100 of them. You're going to get you don't, way more than 100. Yeah, You don't have to be at the top of your crease butterflying on everyone. You can be in the yeah. middle of your net just getting hit. And that's fine because you just want to be able to pick up pucks. Yeah. Right? I was, I I think, was, so go ahead. I, I was thinking about, I was actually thinking about this exact same thing the other day. I don't, I usually just do my goalie skates uh, before practice and then hop off because I don't get to do anything during practice. Um, but I was, I was thinking about practice structure because that's something we talk a lot about. And like, I would love to just have it be okay for the flow drills, which are just so dumb, but the flow drills, the goalies just have the green light to stay on the goal line. And just, I'm just saying like, tell the shooters, Hey, you can shoot anywhere you want. You could just try to, you know, honestly shoot high and I'm going to try to catch everything. And yep. then, and then add in your butterflies, your slides, you know, towards the end if you want, but focus those on like two on, oh, two on ones, three on twos. And I was thinking about that. I was like, that should be the norm. Yes, it should and be. Yeah, for I sure. would, you know what? I might, I might, uh, timestamp it, Jamie. Yeah, I might talk, not your time, I might, uh, talk to our head coach here and use that with our, our three and our, our three and see how that works. I don't want to use it with our two just in case, you know, our one gets hurt. But with our three, I'm going to see if that's okay. And I want to see if that makes a difference. Well, like, here's the thing too, right? And this is an important thing about practice structure altogether. And this does come into release like loosely. But I always ask some guys, I ask goalies, I ask players, after a flow drill, I go, hey, how many of this type of play do you get per game? Like this specific play you just did for the past 12 minutes in your drill. How many of those do you get per game? Maybe Zero. one. Every, yeah. I think it's just, uh, maybe it's, one per team. Maybe one. It's, a, it's just team. a breakaway. It's just a break. If anyone Correct. is yeah, coming yeah. on it, <laughs> if someone's skating down the wing unopposed and they shoot from the top of the circle, they're going to be benched. Yeah, exactly. Right. But here's, so here's the thing. So it's like, it is what we call a non-representative task for the player. And it's a non-representative task for the goalie. And that doesn't mean it's useless. It just means that like the expectation of that being executed perfectly is unnecessary. Right. Because like what you should be doing is like, okay, how do I work on a specific skill within the framework of this drill? So for players, a flow drill, like maybe that's an opportunity to take a shot completely in stride. For you, maybe that's what your goal is. I want you to try to shoot completely in motion every time. 
That's the goal for the players. And for the goalies, you sit deeper and you track the puck and you pick the release up, right? Because now you have a drill that is incorporating the full team. Now you have a full, like you have a little more up-tempo skating, but now the players are actually working on something. Now the goalies are actually working on something. But the default, like player comes in, stops skating at the top of the circle, drifts into the middle of the slot, shoots, mm-hmm. misses the net, goalie stands there. Like it's... No, I mean, like we can talk again about practice structure again, probably, probably towards the end of the off season. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I just, yeah, we, we waste a lot of time on flow drills and you're exactly right. Um, especially with driving us at the college, the college level, because all teams go together, but we basically, we have unlimited ice and we have skill sessions in the morning for the shooters. You know, we have goalie sessions that when I, when I run and we have practice and if I, I mean, if I could, if I could, if I was in charge, but like, it, it seems like that skill session time should be against skills. The goalie session is goalie session, but in practice, you don't need more than one quick flow drill to get, to get warm, then get right into two on ones, three on twos, and then battle like systems battles get off. Yeah. I mean, a lot of like most work at, at a certain point, like beyond system stuff should be like transition because the game operates in transition. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a side note. Um, most of the game, like when you like go look at the offensive zone occupation time, like how, like possession time in games, it's a lot less than you think. Like most of the game happens loosely in transition between zones. Um, but yeah, so to tie this all back, Jamie, I think like the answer here is like reading the releases is definitely, um, so it's a predictive processing thing, which in theory again is, is your ability to again, pick up a pattern that's happening and have a a very, very quick reaction to what it is. Mm -hmm. And to tie it down to, I think where the the big topic comes down to is the reason goalies go down the slot on that. Aside from the fact that you are now moving away from the net that you'd be covering, that's out of the net by being Mm -hmm. up um, is the fact that again, it's, it's you have a default programming. I'm going to go down and then react from there. And it is like the automatic thing. Um, because you want to eliminate relative space and you want to eliminate uh, delayed processing time by like seeing, do I need to hold my feet? You don't have the time to process that decision. Uh, and so that's why most, also, guys go to, most guys go down because it's, it's, it's the processing power is too high, too yeah, slow. And, and people, and it's very common to hear like a, a non-goalie person say, oh, why are they making saves going down? You're making, you're not actually making saves going down. You're making your butt. Yes. Your knees are going down. Your body's going down, but you're making, your hands are moving out. So your hands are not moving down on a shot that is coming up. Your hands are moving out towards the angle of the puck. Although yes, your knees are going towards the ground, but you're not like losing space or anything. If you track properly, you actually are taking away space. But because it happens so quickly, I guess in theory, sure, if you just always stayed up all the time, you'd, you'd be the same thing, but you would never be able to make saves on the on the ice. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing, too, is I don't think people realize how long it takes to, like, snap into a butterfly. Relative, again, like, mm-hmm. relative effect, right? Like, if you're not... That, that, the article, the Dave Marcoux article, 0.45 seconds, or so 450 milliseconds to react and execute a save shot from the slot point you know 125 milliseconds to 250 milliseconds yeah you're like have to just like you're just i will and okay this is actually maybe this is the most interesting thing i tell my goal is this i'm happy to, for you to tell me that i'm wrong but i always tell them on these plays that again move into the high slot whether it's an area pass whether it's low to high like whatever happens where a puck 
gets into the middle. Mm-hmm. I just, I always tell them your job is to just get a piece of this somehow. I don't really oh, yeah. go in, I don't really go into that being like, you need to make a save. I'm like, you need to get hit. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, okay. It's, okay. Ooh, I was getting a little look, It's just like, it's again, it's, it's, you know what, this, this podcast will be longer than 20 minutes, but that's, that's okay. Um, uh, it's, it's like when people are like, oh, like, how come you didn't catch that? How come you didn't catch that one from the slot? I'm like, oh, you made the save. And that's the thing. I tell all my goalies this. Like, we, we, when we do our video breakdowns and, and we do our one on one calls and we're talking about each other's games, it's like, I, I don't really care that much that you controlled that rebound through four bodies on the screen. I care about what you did before, yeah. what you did while the shot was being released, and how did you track that puck off your body as best as you can. Yeah, guys are like, oh, I should have controlled that rebound. Even my guys are like, I should have controlled it. I was like, no, you couldn't have. You, you actually couldn't have. And that's okay that you couldn't have. Yeah. So let's, like, it's, it's all right. And so yeah. like, let's, be, let's be realistic about how the game actually works. And sometimes just getting a piece is all you need to make a save. And if that means it creates an absolute chaos in front of the net, then that's just the game. This and Or sometimes it just goes right in your glove and you're like, oh, a great rebound control. Be like, yeah, you didn't actually try to, but it's, it's, it's okay. Like oh God. it's, you know, yeah. a lot of it too. I don't know if this is the actual, but one of the contributing factors of the many is like, is play by play guys. Yeah, you don't yeah. really know goalies. Like, you'd be surprised. I, I'll get like kids. Kids like kids will like DM me clips, and they'll be like, "What does the announcer mean by this?" And I'm just like, "The announcer doesn't know what they're talking about." Yeah. But if you're if you don't have like a goalie coach, or uh, we'll talk about this uh, off offline because it's complaining about other coaches. But off the line, uh, <laughs> off the line when we hang up. Um, if you, if you don't have like a like a good a goalie coach or a good coach who can explain the why to a lot of these things, and all you get is the play by play guy, it, it gives you a very 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 skewed perfect uh, um, perception of what actually happens or what is expected of a goalie. Yeah, I told this to a goalie last week. Uh, I had a goalie ask me like why their coach keeps telling them uh, something, and I said honestly that's just what they say on TV. Like mm-hmm. what you're what you're being told is just something they've heard on TV a bunch. Like that is a really common thing, and I think it was kind of the same thing we're talking about. I think it was like uh, this goalie, um, really good puck tracker, and would like make a save going down and make a glove save, and mm-hmm. they'd be like, "Oh, you need to be on your feet to make that save." And I was like, well, "I mean, like the puck's like three feet off the air. Like you can make that standing up or going down. I don't think it really changes the fact." Of where you're making that save, it's the same save. No, uh, it's the but, same. It's the same save. Oh, it was like, so, sorry. The other thing was also ahead. like being out of their blue ice. Like, got to be a foot out. Of, like, because the announcers are. This is a really classic announcer saying, "Oh, what a save! Look at that aggressive position." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. exactly. Oh, he cut down the angle. Like, yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is when you start screaming into the void at this point, right? Like, I know, and it's like it's like I'm not dogging because I get like you're not a goalie person. You have to do your job, but yeah. that. But the thing is. Ultimately, that is our role as goalie coaches. We are not instructors. We are educators. Yeah. Yep. Coaching is educating the same way teaching is educating. Me just going out and pushing pucks and saying, I'm going to shoot 10 to your glove because you got beat glove twice yesterday is not, is not educating. No. It's not at all. And that's just, it's just adding fuel to the fire. But that's, we'll save that for another time. Yeah, let's tie this one in. I have like a, a nice little, I think, kind of bit of an anecdote um, tying in release things and the realism about like percentages and goaltending. But 
I like very much believe this thing again, James, this will be the second time I'll say this, but please tell me if you think I'm wrong, if you disagree, because I think that's healthy too. Mm-hmm. But like a goalie can have a very similar shot happen to them twice. One time it can go in, one time they can make the save. And both times they can read the play almost identically. And both mm-hmm. times they were like, they did it right. It just kind of goes in, right? I had a situation where a goalie made a glove save and a low to high pass in the slot. Really nice save, caught the puck, no rebound. Like eyes tracking, awesome. Mm-hmm. Play runs again, very similar shot, bar down, and the net. Yeah. And the goalie's like, what did I do wrong? And I was like, I, uh, I don't, like, you, 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 you kind of had it. You, you just it just went in, like, you missed. Like, it, like, that's a quick play. You read it, like, you didn't do anything glaringly wrong. You just didn't stop it. And, like, I yeah. don't think there's anything to fix there. I think it's just, like, sometimes that will happen. And when you only have a sample size of two, that hmm. might be only a 2% chance happening. But just it, w- it was the time that it happened. And there's a lot. Like, was the first save? Did something actually go wrong on the first save that resulted him in making the save? And then so there's, there's so many things, and you don't really know. Yeah. And, and it's okay. And I think that we'll save that for another pod where it's okay that if your coaches actually don't know, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I agree. Sometimes you get almost identical, and the the results will be completely different, and we don't know why. Yep. Game happens fast, right? Like there's a lot, yeah. like we talked about from the very beginning here, like maybe the pickup off the blade, maybe that release looked a little bit different yeah. than, right? Like there's so many things. Maybe, maybe the goalie, you know, maybe the goalie was coming off the post rather than shuffling across uh, from the top of the crease. Was his leg behind him? Was right. his shoulders tweaked? Was, you know, was there, you know, someone is peripheral skating by that caused a little bit of like distraction? Like, you, there, I, I don't know. There's so many things, but yeah. it's okay. It's okay to not be perfect every time as long as we're as long as your practice is purposeful and you're correcting mistakes and like growing that's ultimately what matters. I agree. And I think that's a nice way to kind of wrap this up is that like when we come back down to this like reading the play and reading the puck is it takes reps. Sometimes you can work on it consciously like we talked about with some of the drills that you can do. A lot of the times you need to try and maximize your reps in practice because that's when you're going to mm-hmm. get the most reps. So try to make something productive out of those. And if there's, we always say, I think we both said it today, if there's one thing to be productive out of kind of upper tempo drills that aren't always the best for goalies is that you get a lot of chances to read the puck off the stick. So maximize that, focus on that and try to turn that productively. And then most importantly, remember that this is a process, right? Uh, If you're 14 or 15 or 16, you've got a lot of time to grow into that predictive processing. Uh, And so don't be frustrated if you're like, I am getting beat off screens where I can kind of see the release a lot. Keep practicing. You'll get better. The more and more you do it, think about what, like you said before, like what other things could you maybe be tweaking that are actually, maybe you are reading it well, but there's a few other things that are leading it to stuff still going in. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, this is really, really complicated and it takes a lot, a lot of reps and it takes a lot, a lot of time to be diligent with. But as always, if you have goalie coach questions, you know where to find us. But also... You know where to find us to leave a comment, leave a rating, uh, all that fun stuff on all the apps that you are listening to us through. And as always, thanks for listening. Jamie, final thoughts. Um, that was a good conversation. We can expand upon this more in the future, but thanks everyone for taking the time to listen. Our audience has been growing steadily and we really, really, really appreciate you listening to us ramble and talk science because we are nerds. And we appreciate that you're nerds too. See you next time, Gary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 